Another super quick intro this week because I have to go help decorate our Christmas tree. So my guest this week is Damien Doping. He has a great podcast that he does called Spooked where they tell scary stories and it's a whole bunch of improv and it's a whole lot of fun. So uh, the link to it is going to be in the description. So check it out. And we have a great time getting to know each other and we talk about a show that I was on and I got voted out of. A little bitter about it, but whatever. Uh, enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much. Episode 14 of Outside the Pottery. Stuff. Okay. All right. Well, so thank you for coming. Thanks Appreciate for it. Uh, it's exciting to have a different type of comedian on. Um, like I had, I had Chris on, uh, I, I guess, a couple episodes ago now. And uh, he was really fun to talk to because he's like an actor mm-hmm. more so than, uh, I guess, anything else. And, uh, and you're uh, an improviser of, of sorts, yeah, uh, I yeah. guess, is your, is your main... Uh, uh, yeah, improv- like podcasting, improvising right now. That's yeah. kind of the, the yeah, big that's thing. Cool. So. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I mean, it's nice. That's why I've really enjoyed the, the show we've been doing together, which yeah. is the, the Comedy Survivor parody. Yeah, uh, Outwit. Out, out, play, out, laugh. Thank you. Yeah, I, I always I, get the last two. I do too. Yeah. I know Out Laugh's the last one. That's yes, hilarious. yes. And, and so it's really fun because, uh, like, when I, I do mostly stand-up, so, like, I mostly just hang out with stand-up comedians. Yeah. Who are uh, mostly narcissists, selfish, and like like mostly focus on them on yeah. themselves, right? Um, well, just by nature of it, like you can't really hang out with anyone. Like you can't like rely on any other one person too much, um, because then you you just become more like them, right? Mm-hmm. Like like if you if you hang out with one guy too much, yeah. like your styles sort of start to morph together, right? And then the the name of the game is being able to be your own thing, your own, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's the rough part. So, like, even if you have friends, like, you, like the, the ones I get to hang out with the most are, are, our voices are completely different. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm a little bit more, uh, like, talkative, a little bit more loud, a little bit more silly. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, the guys that I hang out with, like, one of them, like, he starts every, every set by saying, I'm tired. Like that's the, that's the first thing he yeah, says, yeah. right? And so, and then so it's nice that we get to hang out and talk with, like writing wise, but like our performances are completely different. So it's it's nice to be able to like merge that way. But all this to say, I really like to get getting to hang out with all different types oh, yeah. of comedians because uh, you know you get to find the joy in other types of performing. Oh, exactly. Um, that's kind of what's nice about uh, the podcast I do. Spooked. We have a different actor and comedian on every week so yeah. we get like a little taste of that but doing uh this uh out laugh show yeah you actually get to work with people a little more than just like uh, an hour yeah once it's it's a lot more involved as far as that goes which has been really nice yeah yeah i mean like if you're gonna do the challenges properly which we which i've been trying to do yeah. like you know putting the necessary time in oh, like yeah. you have to spend like a few hours a week like with the people you're working with in order to like oh, just yeah. make sure that you follow through on what you're promising right well you gotta keep checking in and you're like is this what we want to do yeah. how's this gonna go kudos yeah. to you guys last week because oh, you you murdered that yeah. uh, that talk show idea because yeah. uh, like I, that was a premise that didn't even enter our heads. Like that was yeah. such a different take, and it was so fun and so silly. It was uh, it was actually uh, Chili's idea, so I, I you know I'll yeah. give that to him. It, yeah, it was a great idea. It was one of our like very first ideas, and 
I, I personally was, was a little hesitant at first just because we, we found it and we were jumping on it and just like, we, we got to make sure that, you know, we've kind of looked at what else we could do. But well, the, the idea, it, but... the idea of it is really funny, right? Yeah. But like, that's good. But you also want to make sure there's jokes and other stuff in there that helps yeah. support it, right? Like, it, you're not just getting the shock laugh right off the top. It's also a risk, too. Yes. It was a, it was a big risk. Oh, yeah, well, if they don't bite on the premise, then you're that, just you're sunk, yeah. right? Yeah. And I knew I, I knew that we, we were going to be able to do it. Um, I, I was just a little... I was hesitant at first. It took, it took uh, just some background is that we... Uh, for the, the challenge we had to do last week for the, for the show that we were mm-hmm. doing... Um, there's three tribes each one of the us each tribe of four people had to put on their own late night talk show mm-hmm. so um, my group we did like a traditional talk show where like it was like uh like we we had setups but there was like little funny banter throughout it right uh, i played the band leader i was playing the trumpet yeah. i did great i was pretty happy with it um but the and then uh, another tribe uh did uh, also did like a traditional talk show ish but um they had they broke the fourth wall that there was like commercial yeah. breaks you saw behind the camera and stuff alt. yeah a little bit more alty uh you guys did a completely different thing than the both of us your late night talk show was Two kids, uh, like the characters you're like the, the two of your members were playing. Two kids doing their talk show from their basement. Yeah, and I and I gotta say I I love going into something and not being sure if it's gonna work and then having it work so well that yeah you, you, there's nothing else you can really say about it. Yeah, I mean the the goal of I guess a lot of comedy is to surprise the audience, right? It was like a surprise. You, you you want you yeah. want you want to take a turn that they're not expecting, and then that makes the laugh even that much bigger. Oh yeah. But it's another layer of like you don't even expect what's gonna happen. Yeah. Right. Like you you know what what you're gonna say and I stuff. I feel but like, you this, don't, like this whole show has been that for me. I've I've been so. <laughs> uncertain about every week and about everything how things are going to play so well every week before like on the monday like thinking about the show coming up i'm like i'm like i don't really i I, i'm trying to convince myself that i don't care that much Mm -hmm. and then 20 minutes before the show starts my pulse is racing and i'm like i'm like i need to go pace and take a walk like i'm gonna go pee 18 times for some reason like i think the big reason i like the first week was was probably one of the worst just because you didn't know what anyone was gonna do you didn't know what anything i was was. terrified going in i had no idea because out of everyone Mm -hmm. i have I'm the I have the least experience okay. and the least amount of credit. It's like everyone else has done stuff. <laughs> like like everyone else on yeah. the line. Like because you know when they post the bios, I, oh, mine was just like, I do stand up. <laughs> yeah, seeing those that that worried me too. Yeah, uh, but like the last week with the talk show too, I was so worried. Just for our group, it, it was. Uh, we we needed to we needed the win. So. Well, I mean, uh, it, a little bit more background. Like there was originally like the red tribe and the blue tribe, yep. and then we 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 weeded it down. Like uh, yeah, the uh, and then the, like you guys, the the blue tribe ended up losing um what the like what the second or third week you lost like a couple of members yeah, and, we, and we made we it had, through unscathed. Yeah. We ended, it ended up being down to four original blue and eight original red. Yeah, but before point. that, like we swapped, we swapped like some pe- people yeah. went up from red went to like blue and it, it there was flopped a swap around and then, and then back went... to three tribes. But I, I think the thing was too, uh, especially in this kind of competition, yeah, you're, you're always thinking about how those tribe lines are going to play. Yeah, and just from the standpoint of like if people are thinking like oh we have to keep our original tribe strong we would have been totally boned if we'd have lost something. yeah yeah so i think this way it it keeps us in the game still well the hard part is like um 
in the in terms of survivor and stuff like we don't have that time back at camp oh yeah where yeah. we can like we can interact with the other yeah. tribe right like so even if you have time to get together with people you're going to get together with your tribe because you need to rehearse or yeah. etc and like there's not a lot of chance to like like yeah. unless you really put the time in like 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 we are now just yeah, trying to get to know each other a little bit a more outside of like you know the five minutes before the show <laughs> this show's been consuming my life for the last few weeks so. it's but it's so much fun like i i'm so happy that i get to do it because like it's 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 so different than the the usual performing i'm yeah. doing right uh and like being able to perform with so many other talented people mm-hmm. like it raises everyone's talent level oh, just yeah. because like you, you know, like the pressure's on, perform, right? Mm-hmm. And I've only bombed once on this show so far. So, <laughs> and it wasn't even a, it was just one yeah. of my jokes bombed really hard. <laughs> That's gonna happen. I, ah, feel, yeah. I feel my first week was uh, was kind of like that. So, you know, I, I get it. I get it. Well, I think the first couple of weeks, like uh, me and you, kind of uh, to get like both of us had the similar thing that we were kind of flying under the, the radar. A little yeah. bit, like I don't think a lot of people knew my name. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people knew yeah. who I was either, from like the audience wise. Yeah, because that's the thing yeah. about doing an online thing is that your Toronto base isn't exactly yeah. your main base. No, so no, yeah, it makes it difficult. But oh yeah, so um, plug your podcast as well. Like, yeah, uh, so I do uh, an improvised scary story podcast called Spooked. I do it with uh, my co-host uh, Cody Crane. We've been doing it for about. Four and a half years now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So. I'm, I'm a baby. This is like three months in for me or four <laughs> yeah. months in. Yeah. We've been doing that one for a while now. Um, it's been good. Uh, building up as we can. Meeting all kinds of people. Well, it's fun because you, you're, I guess you have, uh, you're in the, the type of mm-hmm. uh, environment now where like you have listeners and like you you can yeah. have interactions with them and stuff like that right we, like, we've had a couple not not a lot well i mean which, like you know if you i, I guess mm-hmm. if you put out a call to action someone will respond or yeah, something we, we've right? done a few things right well like uh, whereas with my uh i guess uh art like i'm doing i'm doing this right now just for the love of the game you know like like yeah. you know I, I i hope at some point it'll start resonating and people will be like i'll have regular listeners all right yeah. at this point i have like five <laughs> regular listeners and i know them by name but um, that's that's like what happened but, with but then too. like you know you're building the back catalog so like when people find it and like fall in love with it like when i find a podcast that i love like i'll go back and listen to like 20 episodes in a row right yeah. like and so i'm just trying to like focus on like be, getting better at just doing this mm-hmm. right oh yeah well that's i mean that's basically what we like we did we started out because we wanted to do it and see how it would go and then it ended up being like oh we just get to hang out and do improv and meet a different person every week and yeah. like, we had the same setup where yeah. we were just like using the yeti mic and yeah. everything too so. yeah i mean i love the yeti mic no <laughs> it's, it's great it's great it's great yeah. i mean it we used it for a long time so yeah. I, you know it's not a bad way to go about it especially for a one-on-one but we had yeah. like you know when you have like five or six people yeah it's, it starts to drown each other out yeah yeah so eventually you know we you start investing a little bit more into it and you start trying to put a little bit more into it as well and yeah, it's been fun. I mean, and then the interaction thing, sometimes it's totally dependent on what you're doing. Like, right. um, I do another uh, podcast uh, called Believe It or Not, where we, we talk about different, um, like, religious groups, mostly, like, fringe and, um, like, cults and things like that as well. Yeah, the spaghetti and ones. We, we get a lot more... Rastaf- Pastafarians? Right? Uh, like, we haven't yeah. talked about that yet, but we yeah. probably should. Yeah. 
Um, that we get a, just we get a lot like more interaction with that just based on the subject matter. Right. And I know Cody, he does a, a Survivor podcast, and they get a lot of interaction for that. So it really just uh, it depends. I find like comedy podcasts, unless you're like a huge name, people yeah. aren't like they'll listen, but they don't really care enough to engage. Yeah. Well, this one's uh, it, it's a like it's a comedy podcast by nature of like I really like most of the people I know that want yeah. to do this are comedians. Mm -hmm. But like, uh, let's get into the topic of what the the show is about. Is it's called Outside the Party because. Mm -hmm. um, Tracking back in my life, like the the things that really made the pe made me the person I am today, yeah. are a function of all the parties I never got invited to, mm. right? Because like all the bullying, whatever, yeah. all the social things I went through, it's what gave me my sense of humor, what made me the the type of person I am. Yeah. Uh, and I, like now I'm in the part of my life where I'm thankful for all of the you know quote unquote suffering I went through, right? Yeah. So like I like to talk to interesting people about the, the rough things they went through and what they and try and like you know pull out the silver linings and yeah. stuff. So. Um, the hope is that when people listen to this, if they're going through a rough time, they can they can find something that they can relate to that resonates with them. Yeah. But I, at the same time, I talk to comedians, so there's laughs throughout, right? Because it's you know not today. Always got to cut the dead. <laughs> today, no laughs, no laughs. No, we're keeping it real. We're not. Oh, we're not. Gosh. No jokes. Oh, that would be a challenge. Eh? Would you you make jokes, but no, at no point are you allowed to laugh. Like, you, yeah. you're just like, hmm. And then uh, I left. Mm -hmm. Anyways, uh, <laughs> just moving on like that. So the first question I like to go through, uh, yeah. starting it off light and breezy, is uh, I just want you to tell me about the worst day of your life. The worst day of my life? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Whatever jumps first to your head. It doesn't have to be a good answer. It just has to be the first one. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um... Oh, pretty bad one was uh, when my grandfather died. That was a that was a pretty rough day for me. Mm. Um, I was at Humber at the time, right? Uh, and uh, he he'd been on and off sick for a while. Like he'd had cancer several times. Yeah. And uh, uh, he had just gone into the the hospital for uh, he just had like a cold. It was around right. Thanksgiving right. or something like that. And. Um, I went and visited him, I think, around that time, and he was yeah. doing fine, and I guess uh, what had happened was, uh, one of the days, uh, a nurse came in and they gave him the wrong medication, Oh. and it basically made him, like, a, a vegetable, so he basically, like, shut down, just kind of became, not, like, incoherent. Yeah. So they, they ended up uh, getting, a like, a hospital bed and bringing him home, and I came down to visit, and I remember that night, because I was doing a, a project for... Uh, uh, for stand-up class, so I'm like trying to write, trying to write a stand-up set, while my grandfather's like yeah. downstairs there, and um, it's kind of like we don't know how long he's gonna be here, so they're just like I, I was getting the train back to uh, back to Toronto to, right. to go back to to do this stuff. Yeah, and uh, I I remember coming down that morning, and my mom and my grandmother and my sister were there, and they they were playing music for some reason. I think it was like Vince Gill or something like that. Yeah, and uh, I kind of, I remember that scene like very very vividly, and just the, you know that feeling of of hopelessness, right? Right. Like there's nothing you really can do, and you just kind mm -hmm. of have to move on and just like keep doing your thing. Unfortunately, I I yeah. know the feeling well. Uh, yeah. Just by nature of like the age cohorts in my family, like mm -hmm. when I was like six or or so, like everyone in my grandparents, like uh, mm -hmm. on my Italian side. Uh, that it on their on their generation level mm -hmm. like basically started dropping like flies yeah so like 
I was going to two, three funerals a year, right? Yeah. And so it gets to a certain point that like you're just so used to that that like that experience that it, you kind of become a little bit numb to it. No, but then like you know, one comes in that that really hits you hard. Like mm-hmm. it was my one of my great uncles um, when my mom was born. Um, her uh, this great uncle and her and his wife. Um, they uh, they couldn't have kids, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to adopt. So like right after they got married my mom was born so then she like she became like their proxy daughter a little bit like so like they got to like they would always babysit and go out of their way and really spoiled her so like Mm -hmm. they were they were really close to our family right and so uh when when he started to pass he he got sick for a long time he had cancer for years right and he was getting worse and worse and then like you know miracle happened he went into remission right and then, uh, and then everything was good. Fast forward about a year and a half. Uh, he goes to the doctor one day with a sore arm or something like that. Find out yeah. it came back with a vengeance and he has like weeks left, right? So uh, towards the end, like you said, they brought him home. They, they, they had him in his room. And uh, I, I was, I, we went over there. Uh, we went to visit him. And then uh, they were like, it, he doesn't have long. You know, it's going to be within the week. Yeah. And we were sitting downstairs. We were having coffee, and uh, one of uh, one of their their relatives left. Like, got in the car. We were saying bye to them, and then we come ba- we come back in, and you just hear screaming from upstairs because uh, my aunt had gone upstairs, and in the two minutes that he was left alone, yeah. he had passed away. Right, and then it it was it was an, it was crazy because like you can't do anything, but there's all this emotion you want. You feel like you want to do something, right? You feel like you want, so that sense of hopelessness, like, and, and like, I I have a, I have a sense of humor. I'm a witty guy, but like, this is the one moment in my life where I'm like, I can't make any jokes to make this better. Like nothing I say, like no matter what, there's nothing to go off of. There's no, there's, it's that, that weightlessness Mm -hmm. feeling. Right. And so all that to say, I, I, I can empathize with what yeah, you're feeling, no, right? Yeah, no, of course. And, like, I didn't... Like, so I'd gone home, and I got the call when I was on the GO train that he had passed away, too. So I wasn't... Wow. I was there. I wasn't there anymore. I was mm-hmm. by myself in a very public place, too, when right. I found out, so... Yeah, you just yeah, hu- hug the window, right? Hug the window. Yeah, and, a little bit, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's that's what happens, right? And you don't always have to joke about things, either. No. It's just, uh, if that's like, uh, I guess a lot of us develop yeah. that as a coping mechanism. And if like, that's your, uh, I guess that's your snap thing to, to go to. Yeah. And when that's no longer an option, it's like, uh, a lot of the times I'll use humor as a, as a way to, uh, distance myself from what's happening. Right. Like when I feel awkward, when I feel like out of place, yeah. that's when you make the joke because like you're getting the attention on you, but in the you're manipulating it in the way that you want it on you. And it's right? also not necessarily on you. It's on right. the joke. It's on the idea. It's right? a mask. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Something you can put in front of yourself. But that mm-hmm. that that's, but it, it's interesting when you come into these situations where you can't do that. Right. Yeah. And and uh, you I guess you learn something about yourself because uh, you know it. it, it a lot of the times what we're doing is we're running away from the, the, the feelings we're not comfortable with. Yep. And uh, when they catch up to you, it's always you always learn something about yourself because it, that's when you're really tested. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's trying to be, find the silver lining in that is, is difficult because mm-hmm. 
But the silver lining I found when my, my great uncle passed away is that, uh, you know, we were devastated for a couple hours, but then uh, they we got the funeral home to come, they took him away. And then we were left sitting there uh, and we were Italian, so we, we, had some, we had some pastries and we made mm-hmm. some coffee. And then we got to just sit around and tell some stories. Yeah. Right? You got to, everyone, there's tears in your eyes, but then the laughs do get to start. Because then yep. you can be like, you remember when Uncle Fonzie did this, right? Mm-hmm. And then you, 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 you get to, like, you're missing him, but you're, you also get a chance to celebrate him. You're starting the morning yes. process. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a, a great thing to be able to experience because uh, mm-hmm. you only hope that when you pass away... People get to people get to yeah. are talking about you in that way. Where like you, yeah. th- that you you leave behind a legacy that that is celebrated. That's that's yeah. people people truly miss you. Some sort of impact on people. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. That's all we can hope for. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to take a hard left from that. Sure. Uh, how did you start to performing? Oh, uh, how did I start? I usually ask how, why did you start stand up, uh, but for you, no, uh, like no, what 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 got you in on stage? Um. What did get me on stage? I mean, the thing that really kind of, I think, solidified me into it was more in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in, like, sixth grade, I was in a class, and we did we did a bunch of plays and stuff like that, too. Right. That, I think that really kind of started myself and a few friends of mine into it, but it wasn't until high school that we really started to uh, love it. Right. And uh, I, it was all down to the teacher we had, too. Um, he was a younger teacher, but he was like a, a really cool guy, and like he knew. I, I mean, like in a good way, not like, yeah. like oh yeah, he's a cool guy. Yeah. Um, but like the yeah, the you kind used to of, smoke pot with us outside of the school yeah, after school. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like a creep, but yeah. the type of theater and like yeah. how he wanted us to like go about it, and it was always very collaborative. And, right. You know, he he treated you like uh, like an individual and not like an idiot. You know, which you yeah. sometimes will get in that kind of situation. Yeah. You have those teachers that leave a mark. Yeah, and he, he for, exposed For me, us it was to music. Some, for you, it yeah, was Yeah, like he exposed us to some really, like, fun stuff. And, you know, that's where I learned a lot about, like, Absurdist Theater and, like, mm-hmm. you know, Beckett and Ionesco and Pinter and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd say that's probably what really solidified me into that side of it. And then I went to Queens for drama and did it there. And, um... I'd always been doing, like, sketch kind of improv stuff all through high school, and then right. at Queens I did a bit as well. Did you um, have, like, a group of friends that you, you did it all with through high school? We did, yeah, in high school we did we did a bunch of things, yeah. and then in university it was a, a little less, because I was working more on, like, theater stuff, and then right. towards the end I was getting back a little more into sketch, and... Um, after after Queens, I, I took a year off, and I, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do next. And I was looking at a few like theater schools and stuff, thinking right. about going to that. But the more I thought about it, the less it appealed to me. And my friend uh, Chelsea, who I went to uh, Queens with, she told me about the Humber program, and it's like, okay, well, let's see, <laughs> let's see what the fuck happens with this. Right. And I, I think that's kind of where, it, I guess, brought me to where I am now. What, um, I know a Humber, like, you get to touch on a lot of different types of comedy. Which one really popped for you in that experience? Mm -hmm. Because I know they do stand-up, I know they do sketch writing, I know they do, uh, Mm -hmm. they do improv, and then, uh, like, script writing as well, right? Yeah, Yeah. um, we, 
you do like touch on a lot of different subjects, which is nice for me. The big the big thing is really having deadlines. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm I can be very bad for creating my own deadlines. So if right. I, if I have something to work towards, I will work towards it. That's why the Survivor Show has been so good. It it gives me something to. Uh, it's it a framework, me, right? It gives me something to work off of. Yeah. And like once I have that, I can do it. Otherwise, you know, you, sometimes you just uh, you're just like, ah, I'll, I'll do it later. And it's like, yeah. oh, I got all month. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so Humber was really great for that. Um, I really I, like. I love the sketch classes. I've always been like a big sketch fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, now I mostly do improv, but that's just kind of how things turned out. I don't know if that's because it's my first love or anything like right. that. Um, I, it's not planned. It's just no, the way things no. shook out. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was I watched a lot of stand up. I was always a big stand up, um, and I lo- I really liked doing stand up at Humber. But um, I I was having a hard time finding what my stand up voice was, and I and I think because I was I was too aware that I didn't know it yet that it it was uh, it was hard for me to keep doing it. Yeah. I, I, it well it, it it requires a level of delusion yeah. that is uh, that is I don't think is. Um, present in the other in sketch or mm-hmm. uh improv improv it, you have to delude yourself that it'll go well like re- you, you have to like you have to release yourself from the idea that it has to go a certain way so you have to trust the people you're with and sort of remove yourself from the planning of it right you just have to let what happens happens yeah uh, in sketch uh, it's kind of similar you have to be able to collaborate with the other people you're working with a lot of the times whereas with stand-up you have to delude yourself that you are great mm-hmm. at it, right? Because you have to believe that you're good at it yeah. in order to do it. Because uh, if you if you believe, like you can, you'll go through periods where you think you suck, but you always have to come back to like, I think I'm actually good at this. Yeah. Just in order to keep yourself going, because yeah. it's an individual pursuit. That, like you said, there's no deadlines. There's no real curriculum to go through. Um, you can take classes. You'll get a, a couple of things out of it. But but at the end of the day, even if they teach you joke structure and things like that, like you said, you need to find your own funny. Well, yeah. And you, figure out how to deliver. You know your voice. You know what you want to say. And I, I think I have a bit more of that now. I'm a yeah. bit more comfortable with what I am comedically as mm-hmm. far as that goes. And I think improv is good in that way is that it helps you to kind of uh, put stuff out there and just like let it be. This is like it's out there, it's done. You don't have to stand by. No, it. and well, you well you have to stand by it the night of. Yeah. But like it's not like you do you do a like an improv scene and then it's like okay we're gonna do that exact same thing tomorrow at a different place. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I mean more. I don't I don't know if I want to say you don't have to stand by. It. I mean you stand by it, mm-hmm. but you you're also accepting that it's it is impermanent and it's okay if it doesn't go well. So it's. Improv can be really good for helping you deal with that, uh, that, that failure and that uh, that things like it was in the moment and that moment doesn't affect the next moment really. Right, and you can able you're able to move on. The thing I love about uh, improv is mm-hmm. um, is the audience that you get to perform for a lot of yeah. the times because the the improv audience is that me? No, so. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. No, oh, no, that's not that one. Is it this one? It's that one questionable um but uh, the thing i love about improv is, is the audience because they um you know when it's a when it's a good audience i've done it with the, with bad audiences but um they sign up for what's happening yeah right like uh when you go to an improv show like a lot of the times the audience is like we understand that not, none of this is planned 
So I feel like their threshold for what um, what is what they consider incredible is a little bit lower. Yeah. Um, at the same time, their threshold for what they consider bad is a little bit like is a, is a little bit more lenient. Like they, yeah. they, they, they if a scene doesn't go, they're like. They'll still give you some sort of response or laugh, and they're be like the, they're concilia- conciliatory yeah. a little bit, right? And and that's nice because you you can kind of have that safety net, mm-hmm. um, and you know that even if it goes bad, it's not going to go well, I think, horrible. I think with improv too, part of the fun and part of what people like about it is not knowing what's going to happen and knowing that it could go wrong. Yeah. So there's a there's an enjoyment in the game of what improv is that you don't really get with something like. Stand up, where mm. if you don't do well and they don't like you, they, they'll boo they you tell off you the stage. That they don't yeah. like you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, not a very forgiving audience, stand up audience. No, <laughs> no. I mean, but the the good thing is uh, about that is you, you. It's really baptism by fire. A lot of the shows you do. Yeah. Um, I mean, you go do a, a shitty bar show uh, out in uh, Ajax or Oshawa. Um, where, where I've had a lot of good sets because, um, you need to learn how to, how to, how to, how to get them on your side. Cause you have to, you have to, you have about 15 seconds to convince themselves, convince them that you're worth listening to. Yeah. Right. And you, you need to get it, get them really quickly. And like when you, when you have a drunk, you know, middle-aged white audience, yeah. like they, they, they're like, okay, make me laugh. And if you don't get them early, like you won't get them back. Yeah. Right, so it's really like uh, it's like fighting with your back up against a wall. It's like okay, prove yourself right now. Yeah. And then when you go into good shows, you have all of that seasoning, seasoning that you've went through that that, yeah. that, that allows you to like, uh, no matter what really happens, like you you know that you can get yourself out of it, mm-hmm. right? Which is which is fun, but it's uh, it's also like if you don't really love it, like it, you you shouldn't be doing it yeah. because it's soul yeah, crushing. Yeah. <laughs> It, which yeah. is fun. Yeah, it's fun. So speaking of soul crushing, uh, what's the worst show you've ever done? What's the worst time you've had on stage? Uh, th- there's been a couple. Um, one really bad one was actually a, a stand-up night. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was the worst, but it was definitely one of the one of the weirder nights. Um, so this was back uh, in first year at Humber, mm-hmm. and I'd maybe done like three sets at that point, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and like short, like what one two minute sets, so nothing, nothing. Really? Oh man, like the, they they do it that short? Like well, at first, like this yeah. this is like in the first like two three months being there, so mm-hmm. we've maybe had. So what what's the first set that they facilitate for you stand up wise? Because I, I haven't talked to anyone about yeah. this, so yeah. they're just like um. So you you go into like I guess stand up one on one whatever mm-hmm. the, they're calling the class right? Um, they they I guess they tell you about like you know what stand up mm-hmm. is etc. And then they, they say, like, okay, this Friday will be your first time on stage. What's set the scene? What type of show do they do? Uh, well, there's a few, like, because we do them in class, so so you prepare different things, and sometimes they'll give you, like, specific assignments as well. Um, early on, I think it was a little more about learning the structure, learning how to, like, time out a set. So it's like, you have two minutes to do this, so you need to make sure you have enough material for that, but you also have to know... Like you, when you get the light, you have to be able to wrap it up and everything. So it was more about getting the framework and mm-hmm. things like that. And then it'd be like, all right, for next week, uh, write a two minute set on one liners or, or this week we're doing, uh, you, you got booked to do, um, like a bachelor party. So you need to write like five minutes for that. So it was like different assignments that would right. kind of like give you like a framework, uh, things to write a set around. But early on it was more just like, 
write like what you know, what your voice is based yeah. around that framework. So we were doing that, and uh, a friend of mine, he's just like, hey, do you want to do the show? It's a, it's in a weed room, and I'd, oh, nev- I'd oh, never oh. been I'd never <laughs> been in a weed room before, stand up or otherwise. Yeah. So this was like a, a first experience. I know where this is going. Look at the smile. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it was uh, it was very weird. Um, so this one's not there anymore. It was yeah. uh, I think it's on like Wellesley or something like that. It was like the second floor, second or third floor. So there's like this doorway in the back, and you go up like three flights of like graffitied stairs kind of smell like pee yeah. and then you're in this like dark like, like neon like a speakeasy kind of yeah. yeah and then like this dark neon lit room uh, the host he, like, he was a super nice guy like he was like I, I can't remember who it was this was like five years ago yeah yeah. Um, but we both get there and he's just like oh yeah great okay you guys are great and um, the first thing he says is like alright you're going first tonight like to me and I'm like okay I've never been in a weed room before I've never really done stand up yeah. before yeah <laughs> So I'm going first, and then he says my friend is going at the end. So we're there the whole show. Um, so I he does this like little intro. It goes all right. The, the crowd's hard to read. And I go up, and I do my, my terrible, terrible material. And there's one guy in the room who... Um, I actually read an article about this guy much later. Um, I can't remember what his name is, but uh, he was just he's just this loud heckler. And any joke you would make, he would say something, like, you'd say, like, Rufus. oh, talking about my, something like that. It's like, oh, my girlfriend. He's like, yeah, you don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> and he would just start laughing. And everyone in the audience knows him, and they're on his side, and they're there with him. Someone was telling me about this guy. I, I think it might be the same show. I, I think his name's Rufus. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. And um, so that, like, you know, that just takes the wind out of your sails, yeah. the whole set. And the rest of the crowd is just so quiet, because they're all stoned and of course like I didn't really know that like you can't really read an audience yeah. and then the night just got weirder like so I finished and I got off the stage and I'm like oh fuck that was that was a lot and I'm not gonna leave because my, my friend's still on there and then they all get high and my friend's like I shouldn't have smoked I don't know why I did and this guy's heckling the whole night and then this woman goes up and she does her set and it's a good set but then he starts heckling her, and then this other guy starts coming up, and he's just like, can I say something? She's like, no, I'm doing my set. He's like, yeah, but I just want I just want to say something. Can I yeah. have the mic? And she's like, no. And this turns into like this like 10-minute-long odyssey between yeah. her and this really stoned guy, and it's really weird. Yeah. And everyone... like I almost a, had to had to have a fist fight with the yeah, guy trying to do that. that almost yeah. happened. Yeah. And then, so that happens. And the, good thing, like, the good thing in that situation is she's a woman, so it's like... If, if if it ever came to physicality, immediately everyone's on her side, he, right? He wasn't. He was not physical in yeah. any way. He was just stoned and wanted yeah. to say something. And the yeah. host was right there, so n- there was no threat in that right. way. It was just a really weird situation. So then she got off, and then my friend had to go and do his like shitty two minutes of whatever he had. Yeah. And then we both totally bombed, and uh, it was a weird. It was a weird, awful night. Yeah. Not not like the worst. I mean. Well, it, I mean, it, 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 it sticks in your mind, right? It sticks. Yeah. It sticks in your mind. Um, like, a lot of the times, like, I've done shows where I've eaten, like, absolute, like, dog shit, right? Like, like, where, like, it crushes your soul, but, uh, funny enough, like, when that happened, it didn't really bother me, Mm -hmm. because, like, it was a shitty show, I went in, and, like, and, and, like, everyone else was eating shit, but I went up and ate shit, but, like, I enjoyed it, 
Like as it was happening, I was like, "Oh, this is shit," but like, yeah. I'm I'm gonna learn something from this. And then sort of so like, even if you listen to like the recording, I think I like voice record. It's like I'm smiling through it. Mm-hmm. Like you can hear me like in my voice that I'm like I'm happy about it for some yeah, reason, yeah. right? But like the ones that really stick in my mind is like when it was a good show, I went up and I just ate a dick. Like and- like it, even though it didn't go like terribly, like I still got laughs. But, like, compared to the rest of the night and yeah. where I thought it should be, like, that's where, like... It really I gotta ate. say, I, I, I was thinking about that, too. That's Those are probably the worst nights is when uh, doing, like, improv with people who are really good at improv, and then you just bite it so hard, and you just look like an idiot in front of these people that you so, respect. So you're, you're an experienced improviser. What do you sure, consider sure. A, a... Like, uh, I'll just say that for you. You don't have to accept it, but... Uh, what do you consider like uh, like biting an improv? Like, what do you consider you like uh, bombing? I, I guess I don't know what uh, what uh, language is associated with improv. Same but, like, way. I, I guess. Same but, w- what do you what do you what do you consider mm-hmm. that? Because improv is so ethereal and like it's always changing. Uh, I think it's something you know you know in the moment. Right. You know you know when the audience isn't reacting. It's like porn. You know when you see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know you know when something's not going over. You know when your scene partners don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. You know when you put out an offer and you're like, that was a terrible offer. That didn't do anything. That yeah. That just stonewalled everyone and I look like a moron. You know. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, that's that's such an interesting thing because um, I, I, I guess with, with stand-up, like, you know because, like, you know that joke. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how that joke normally performs and then sure. you see it happening here. It's like oh, okay, that that mm-hmm. was it. Me was it material? Was it them? Like you, you, you it, yeah. it's it's weird. Like because performance, um, I can't remember who said this, but I'm quoting someone. It's like, but performance in any sense is alchemy. Like you're creating gold out of nothingness. Mm-hmm. Um, you hope right, but like there's so many different ingredients. It's you. It's the person you're performing with. Um, you know, in stand-up, it might be the host, it might be the person that went before you, uh, in, in improv, it might be the suggestion you get. It, oh, yeah. It's And then it's the audience response, like, h- how much are they signed up for this, right? Like, and it's all these things, like, it's interesting when like, you think about, like, the show, your your fit, your best show ever, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't just you, like, 18 things had to come oh, together yeah, perfectly yeah. to have that situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, like, leading off of that, like, what, what do you think your best show mm. was? Like, what sticks in your mind that way? Oh, uh, that's hard to say. I mean, uh, honestly, one of the best ones in recent memory was last Monday. That that that, that talk show at Outlaugh. I mean, everything. You played two characters in that, right? Uh, sort of. Yeah. One, one and a half. One, one was half. like an offstage voice. Yeah. But I, I think that everything came together and just worked. Mm. Um, and it had been a while since I'd been in a show where everything worked. Which was weird. Yeah. Which was nice. <laughs> the week before, uh, when we were doing uh, improv, mm-hmm. uh, the, the improvised movie scenes. Yeah. That was probably one of the, one of the best performances I've done yeah. in a while. That was a fun, uh, that was a really was, good one too. That was a, that was a really fun one. It, it was it was <laughs> like like the. Our our whole thing was like it, it just all the way through, and then the it made it even sweeter the drama at the end oh, whether or not it man. it was valid yeah. like, yeah, and yeah. we were all just standing up there looking at each other like, I I don't we we thought it was good. <laughs> yeah. People love the controversy though. I know. That's the I show. know. I know. That was only my third time kissing a man. Uh, there you go. Yeah. First one was my dad. <laughs> Second one was my my best best friend, and mm-hmm. that was like for irony. 
like he was it was a funny story he he was sitting like on a patio downtown like like uh talking to people having drinks yeah. and like i i was meeting him like and he didn't know like i didn't text him to say i'm arriving so i just walked up to him and just grabbed his face <laughs> like he people i didn't know like 10 people like at this table and they're just like what the hell is happening and it was it got a great laugh it was it was really fun oh, that's but good. Uh, yeah good you didn't get yeah. like punched or something just for no, a stranger we're, we're, <laughs> Luckily, it was him. Yeah, like, imagine you see someone from the back of their head. It's like, oh, that's him. I'm saying if a stranger kissed me, I'd, I'd probably hit him. Yeah. <laughs> who they are. I, I'd yeah. probably just be shocked. Yeah. 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 He, he was uh, he was really shocked. It was, uh, yeah, I guess it was sexual assault, but he was fine with it after <laughs> the fact. But <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, kind of regretting to tell you the story, but uh, I'll stand by it. It was it, it got a laugh, uh, you know. <laughs> it's like almost like a Sasha Baron Cohen thing. It's like it's like yeah. you, you gotta commit. You gotta commit to what you're doing. Uh, yeah, he he does stuff that's uh, that's incredible. Did you ever watch We Are America or, or uh, I watch uh, I watched the first like four episodes. Yeah, one of my favorite was when he did the Israeli dude. Yeah, uh, like that. That was really funny. I think he was Our talking to or something. Like his name was. Yeah, yeah. He was talking to. Uh, I, I think it was was it Dick Cheney or something or he was talking to some yeah. some like. Uh, oh, and he asked him to sign his waterboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was just it was. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, I love that. I respect it so much because like, I would love to be able to do characters like that. I I, I fantasize that I'll be able mm-hmm. to, um, but I don't know how he does it without breaking. Like, yeah, like when you get things like, like, I guess you're, you're doing stuff and you expect them to say, to, to react a certain way. I don't know how we get, like when people say something you would never expect when they're even crazier than you're being, how do you just stay in it? Yeah. I I mean, I've always loved Sasha Barrett Cohen. I don't think I could ever do what he does though. Just for the fear, the mere fact that I, I would be too self-conscious about being that much of an asshole to strangers. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't. Yeah, you're that. a nice guy. Like, I can't, it's, 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 it's it's too much. Like I'd be like, I can't do this. I this is too much. Yeah. I mean, I would hate it if it happened to me. Mm-hmm. So doing it to someone else would just like those prank shows or anything like that. I mean, like, a, a, like, a prank a prank is a little is a little different because most of those pranks too they come out at the end. It's like you're on a prank show. Oh, we're having fun. Right. Right. There, Whereas there's 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 a release that I don't think you get with something like that and mm. i don't want to say it's it's mean but there there's definitely a lot more uh of a pointed attack to it yeah and yeah an, an, an individualized it, it, it is a little bit more it, it is a little mm. more mean um it, i find it hard to like watch a lot of the, stuff mm. like that because like you do have to like make a moral decision mm. in your heart when you're watching it mm. like to say like I'm going to separate what's happening from, like, what the way the world should work, right? And it's almost a suspension of, of disbelief. Yeah. Right? Well, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that it's bad or what he's doing. And yeah. I'm not saying that sometimes some of the people don't necessarily deserve it. Right. I'm just saying the intentions behind it would be a lot different than something like a prank show where we're doing it to, like, scare people, but we're also doing it. We're having fun with it. Yeah. We're, we're letting them in on the joke after. We're like, hey, you got goofed. Yeah, it's good. Don't yeah. worry about it. You know, not oh, you killed a bunch of people because you sent people to a different country to fight in a war. Or, yeah, or uh, you know, you have a really bad human rights things like that. You know, or high five him. But yeah, it's really yeah. There's a there's a different layer that 
that's a little bit harder to understand. It's not calling people out for their prejudices either. No. Which is what Sasha does a lot of times. Yes. Yeah. Well, 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 I guess he's he's doing he is calling them out, but like on a on a meta level, right? Like yeah. he, like he by him, I guess sympathizing with them and then I guess making that character so absurd, so like the fact that he agrees with it is so uh, abhorrent or so um, insane. Mm-hmm. It just highlights like the fact that they actually believe these things, right? Yeah. So it, it it's it's doing what I guess uh, it, it doesn't have the wig to camera because it's doing things on a, a completely other level. Something that like I, I wouldn't even have the, the the concept to come up with, right? Yeah. Which is why I respect it so much. Like I I like as I start performing and do all the, these different things, the things that I really appreciate watching and seeing are things that we're like. I don't even think I could do that. Yeah. Right. Like when when I see like a a stand up comedian do a joke that like oh I could give me enough time I could write that right like uh, that doesn't really amaze me anymore. Where when I see things that it's like I don't you I don't think I could ever do that. Yeah. That's what I really respect. Right. Like when when I saw like uh, one that really resonated with me when I saw uh, Neil Brennan's Three Mics, his Netflix special. Yeah. That one was like. like really eye-opening for me because it's called three mics because he's standing on stage and he has three microphones three mic stands uh, evenly spaced yeah. um, stage left is uh, is is traditional stand-up uh, middle one is uh, emotional stuff mm-hmm. and then the right one is one-liners so okay. every time he shifts gears he goes to a different mic and so the emotional yeah. stuff is not funny at all yeah. It's it's literally just him talking about truth and like really like deep emotional things and and him telling his his truth like talking about his life. And yeah. like he goes from that and then immediately switches to traditional stand up and he's smiling 2 seconds later. And then he goes from that and he goes to do one-liners and then he just flips around through all of these things and like and it's seamless and like yeah. it the the it, it was like I didn't you could do that. And like it, it's it, it's completely uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, eye-opening and it, it just really made me appreciate that that like you know art could look like that yeah but that's uh that's just uh it's amazing like when you when you see things that like you didn't even have conception of yeah 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 and it just makes me respect the people that do it even more what's well, the beautiful thing about the arts right is mm. uh you you're when you can be surprised and then when you can take those elements and try and incorporate them into what you do I mean, most most art is theft anyway, right? Yeah, Co- they call stealing, it inspiration. You're stealing right? things from everything that you you're exposed to. So, I, I think it. Uh, uh, I can't remember who said it, but it's like it, it all goes in the bag, mm-hmm. right? Like you have a bag of tricks, mm-hmm. and every time you see something that inspires you, or like you see someone and like, oh, they're doing it that way. It's like mm-hmm. I'm gonna take a little bit of that. I'm gonna put yeah. it in my bag, right? Like, and then it's like it, it's just sometimes I'll you do it inadvertently. Like, so I, I remember I listened back to one set, and I was just like, aha, I was doing Chris <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, not even consciously, but it was just like, it was like, I, I at one point I went like, so good. Like, I did that, I did like his yeah. inflection where he like, what he does that concatenation of mm-hmm. words, and it's just like, ah. But it's like, then I, I listened yeah. to it, it was like, I'm aware of it, it's like, I'm not going to do it that way again, but it's like, maybe occasionally, like. You know, I'll concatenate a couple words together. <laughs> that was an interesting thing at, at Humber because you started to notice that you would notice 
who whose people who people's influences were where right. you're just like oh they're doing their set just like this person yeah and you you would start seeing those those weird patterns about yeah. oh that's that that's who they like you yeah. you could you could point to each person Dane Cook Louis C K uh, Cedric the Entertainer like, yeah, 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 yeah. essentially yeah. essentially it it was a really weird kind of experience seeing that. I did. Uh, I did this show. Uh, it was. It was horrible. But it was. It was reasonably fun. But it was, in a guy's apartment, and he was. Per- and you're performing to like seven people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also getting streamed live on Twitch. Oh okay. So there was text to speech heckling that they could pay for. Yeah, yeah. Right. So like every so often, like there would be a cut in of a of a robot voice mm-hmm. that would just fuck your timing and completely oh, yeah. ruin like because it would just jump in. But it would, it's delayed, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, they're, they're watching it on a bit of a delay. Mm-hmm. The thing comes in at a bit of a delay. So they're heckling the joke you've already finished. Yeah. So, so then it just yeah. fu- fucks everything up. But I was doing this show, and um, one of the other guys on the show that, that went up, it was, like, his second time ever doing stand-up, and he went up, and he was literally doing Louis C.K. <laughs> like, like wow. he, he was doing his own material, mm-hmm. but his inflection, his voice, he was like... He was, he was doing like yeah. every single like like mannerism was like this guy's just doing Louis C.K. like and I once I saw it I couldn't unsee it and so yeah. it, it was really hard to like yeah. even like even appreciate anything that he was mm-hmm. doing it's just interesting it's like and it, it's funny because it makes you so upset when you see that right because you're mm-hmm. just like uh, do your own thing right but it what makes me a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, like peeved is like that the audience enjoys it mm-hmm. like if there's ever laugh like you know when you see someone doing like hacky stuff or like you see someone do like terrible improv and it gets laughs it's like it makes you like resent the audience a little bit True. like and it, it, it's it's just those it's a very inside baseball because like yeah. when you're watching it as before you start performing as an audience member you're just like oh it's funny it's f- it's funny like that's all it needs to be it just needs to make me laugh but then, then you start performing. He's like, no, he has to make them laugh in the right way. <laughs> I see. My thing about that though is, is as as frustrating as it can be seeing someone performing in that like someone else's style. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think that's that's just part of the process of learning stand up. Is that yeah. that's how you find your voice is by emulating the voices of those people that you respect and that you like. Mm-hmm. And through that exploration, that's when you find your own voice. So I, I can't. I can't be mad well, at the, someone doing like this and like finding it. I mean, if this guy is like touring nationally and getting paid to do yeah, like, doing yeah. then I'd be pissed yeah. at. But I mean, if this guy is like just doing mics and he's still figuring himself out, sure. Yeah, it's just it, 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 it's like uh, it's it's for me it's like it's a it's a it's a it's like a personal sore point where mm-hmm. it's like th- this is my moment of weakness. What I feel yeah. like when I'm not being empathetic towards the the, the person I'm interacting with, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um. It, it, I only and the only reason it ups- I think it upsets me is because I've done it, mm-hmm. and then I, once you move past that, it's like you don't even want to think about the fact that you've done it, right? Like I, I remember doing a show. Do you know Angelica Scanura? at all no i don't uh she's she's very funny she's like a like a headliner mm-hmm. in the and she's got that you might have seen her in ads because she has this new show on uh on tv angelica's 22 minute workout she's okay. dressed like in a jane fonda like outfit and like it's it's like pilates it's like a throwback to the 80s type of thing yeah um but you now that i see it you'll see it on buses and stuff but uh um she was uh judging the show i was doing where it was like you go up and then you get like roasted by the two two uh, panelists, judges, yeah. whatever. And uh, I did my set, and uh, and then I, I finished, and she was like, so I can tell that you really like uh, Anthony Jeselnik. Because then, like, I and then I went back, and, and like, afterwards, I was like, ah, ha, ha. And then I went back and listened, I think it was like, 
oh, I'm I'm doing just <laughs> like I was listening to the thing. It's like I was del- and then at one point I even went like that was good joke. Like I, I did yeah. like his his thing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I feel terrible right now. But it's 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 it, it like you said, it's a learning experience. Like mm-hmm. now that goes in the bag. Like what when I first became aware of the fact that I say you know mm-hmm. on stage a lot. That was my filler word when I first yeah. started. Like that's the word that I would throw in every ten words was you know because mm-hmm. I was when I was nervous because I didn't want to have any dead air. Right, so the, there's no way I could if I wasn't confident that the audience knew what I was talking about. I would say, you know, and yeah. then I would get nods, right? And then that became like my safety net. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that like, if you're doing well, they should know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you don't need to check it. Well, it's funny know. too, like what you consume, how it can just so quickly infect what you say. Yeah. And just change. I I was listening to uh, Harmontown for a while there. And I had to stop listening to it because it was affecting my speech patterns. Really? I, I, I was starting to speak a lot like he... Have you ever really listened to Harmon? No, no. Uh, so he gets really drunk on it and he stutters a lot. and he, He's a lot... Like, he'll ramble. He'll be like, you know, and, 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 and then they did this and they, 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 they were like that. Yeah. It's a lot of that. Yeah. And I found I was I was starting to pick that up in my like day to day and I'm just like I can't I can't do this anymore it's, it's really starting to fuck with my head right and then you become so aware of it but you keep doing it and you can't really stop it uh-huh. so I, I had to step away from it but yeah I, I heard um, I, I listened to Pete Holmes podcast uh, some, sometimes and he was doing a uh, he was uh, he was doing one with uh, Thomas Middleditch mm-hmm. and they they were talking about how they used to be really good friends and they had to stop hanging out Oh, because uh, each other too much? yeah, because yeah. Um, Pete was starting to take like uh, bits of characters that he and Thomas would do together yeah. uh, when they were improvising mm-hmm. on stage, and it was it was getting uh, folded into a stand up, yeah. and then it, it was it was kind of like, and then it, the reason that it became came to a head is because Thomas was doing like a show, and then someone came up to him afterwards like, oh, so you, I think you stole that from Pete Holmes. Yeah. And, and that, like, caused a huge rift in their relationship because it's like, no, we started that, we did that together. If anything, yeah. I started it. And then it's like, it, and then they had to stop hanging out for years. <laughs> and then they yeah. finally got a chance to meet each other once they developed their own voices and got their shit together, I guess. But, like, that's, it, it's so funny. It's like, even if you enjoy someone, it's like, a lot of the times you have to sacrifice that relationship in order to yeah do things better yeah, it's, or it's something. It's interesting because, I mean, I find... Uh, working with my co-host Cody a lot, we we do definitely have a lot of overlap in things that we've picked up from each other. Um, I think we've we've done pretty okay at, at, at keeping a bit of our ourselves and leaning into ourselves a bit more so we're not totally just overlapping each other. Well, I mean, I mean it seems like your show has success, so there's got to be some some function of, like, you play off of each other well. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, think, I think we're a good foil for each other, so... That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Just, Used your perfect vocabulary. Hey, man. I'm, I'm an educated man. Well, let's switch gears back to a little bit more of a serious thing. The The yeah. question will start super, super morbid, but it'll end on a good note, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll go on a ride in this one sentence. So if you were di- to die tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, what can you say you've done in your life that has left the world a better place? Mm. doesn't have to be a great answer. It can be small things. Uh uh, I had uh, Ali Banks on, and, and I don't know if you met her, but she, her answer was that she 
has a really good relationship with her sister mm-hmm. and that uh, throughout their lives like that she has really been there for yeah. her sister and supported her and made her life better so she's yeah. been that ex- that influence on that yeah I think the most important thing that you can really do is uh, you know the personal relationships you have and how mm-hmm. how you foster those um, I know I can be a real pain in the ass and and you know, again, for the joke, too. Yeah. You know, you always Well, this has been too, a right? fucking trial. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean, though? Yeah. It's like, it's moments where you push the joke too far and you just end up being an asshole. Or, yeah. Or a moment where you shouldn't be joking. And it just, it's always there. So there's yeah. that distance. Um, I don't know. I, I say the best thing that I could do is is those moments when I'm not doing that. Right. Which is which is a weird answer. I, I know. It's not a specific... No, one, I understand it. But I understand it. There's... Um, I, I, I have this, I postulated this theory before, but I'll, I'll say it again. It's like my theory about having, making the world a better place. I, everything would go great mm-hmm. if everyone just focused on their immediate sphere of influence mm-hmm. and mo- focused on making every interaction they had within that optimal. So yeah. if, if everyone's like a bubble and then uh, all of life is just Venn diagrams overlapping and stuff, if you make sure that every time your bubble intersects with someone else's, that, that overlap is positive. And if everyone does that and does that throughout their entire life, mm-hmm. the world will be perfect. Because yeah. if we all just focused on that and made sure that every interaction we had in an individual basis was a positive one, mm-hmm. just by nature of like transitive property, everything would be incredible. Yeah. So um, I'm, I like to think I'm a nice person. I, I like to think that I, 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 I'm putting that positive thing in, into the world. I definitely have failings in, at, at times, but I, I don't, I don't, I, I call it a, a, a fault of character for me, but like, I don't focus on like global issues because I don't think that I have any way to, yeah. to yeah, yeah. influence them in my personal life. Like I, I'm conscious of the environment, et cetera, all, mm-hmm. all, all these different things. And I, I like to think that I, Think about the, the, the thing, overarching things. Oh, I'd like, I'd like to change my answer. Sure. Uh, I sometimes recycle. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. But, like, I, I think if you, we all focused, like, if you focus on, like, on, on the biggest issues in the world, mm-hmm. you can easily become overwhelmed, right? It's why I had to stop watching the news all the time. Because, like, it just yeah. makes you feel inadequate or, like, ineffectual if you just think see, like, everything's burning all of the time. That's all the news is, right? Everything's on fire uh, in, in metaphorical or literal ways. Um, everything's on fire because that's the thing that they report. Like, they don't report the good things, right? And so that, that just kind of started to put me in a negative headspace. Like, because I was watching the news all of the time because I thought, like, this is the way I'll build material. I'll talk about current events. And then I realized that's not my, that's not my funny. Yeah. That's not my funny. My funny is, like, looking at everyday things and then just giggling about it and making it silly. Like, the other day I was just thinking, it's like, when guys, this is the, the bit that I'm thinking about, like, and this is my funny, this is, this is what's funny for me, it's like, when guys, like, start growing out their hair, they start growing out it because it started to get a little bit longer, and they got one compliment on it, and then they thought that the, the, the compliments would in- increase exponentially as the hair got longer, right? No. And then it gets to a certain point that they, that, that it gets so long that it becomes inconvenient, and then they make it short again. They don't cut it because they, they, still, they still think that they're going to get more compliments. They just start putting it in buns because it looks like it's short again. But it makes them feel better about it. But they're like, I'll still get the compliment. Because if you see guys who have like, like you know, Tarzan long hair, yeah. they never wear it down. 
almost like a it's almost like a compliment bell curve. Yes, yes, it goes up and, and then it comes it right back, back down. down. But they, they they always believe that it'll come back up. Like some they're just gambling. Some people it does, but it's a it's it's a real crapshoot. Yeah. Yeah, I need to get a haircut because my mom said this the other day and it really hurt my feelings. Um, like I, I, have been growing it out, um, and it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's got a good length. It's, it's getting that weight where it holds itself down. But I need to get it shaped because I kind of started looking at like Lord Farquaad. It's my mom's words. Oh, okay. Where because it comes down and yeah. it just like hits a point. I used to have long hair. Mine was just. I looked like uh, Black Sabbath in the seventies. It was just this big. Oh yeah. Awful. Uh, you go through so, uh, you go through phases. Yeah, right? my mom loved my long hair. She never gave me a hard time about it. So. Uh, my mom likes my long hair. It's just she's like, you need to get it shaped. It needs yeah. to have more of a triangular shape. I was like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, my, my, <laughs> mom, my dad, and my grandpa, or my grandmother didn't didn't care for it. Though, mm, so. Mm, yeah. So I, I like when you get those subtle jabs. Yeah. Maybe you should uh, cut your hair. Yeah, it's like a very it's a very short knife. It yeah. doesn't hit any vital organs, but it's just like. Oh, right in the yeah. ribs. <laughs> yeah, like, listen, cut your hair, we're cutting you out of the will. Yeah. Like, you know, things like that. Just subtle. Subtle. You know? subtle. Yeah. yeah. Alright, so the last question, uh, this has been, I really enjoyed talking to you, yeah, but the, the, the last question that I always come to is, um, I ask people about their best day. Mm. We come full circle, we start with our worst day, and we come back with best day. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean by best day is, you know you have your favorite movie. Yeah. Um, you love rewatching it, and every time you rewatch it, you catch different details, right? Yeah. Uh, what I mean by best day is like, uh, tell me about a day that if you could wake up tomorrow and relive it, you can't change anything, you can't do anything differently, but you just get to experience it all over again. Uh, just tell me about what that day is and what, why it uh, why it's your best one. Mm. To give you a moment, I'll tell you yeah. about mine. Uh, I mine was my nineteenth birthday party. Uh, it was really special because my birthday is December 9th. Uh, at the time, I was in university, and on December 9th, I had to write an organic chemistry exam. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't celebrate my birthday. So we had to do it on December 27th after Christmas, and it f- functioned as a, uh, a holiday get-together as well. Mm-hmm. So all of the extended family that you normally don't get to see around the holidays and yep. friends and stuff, they all came. So it was I ended up being like over 40 people, 45 mm-hmm. people in the house, and it was at that moment when I was like when they were singing happy birthday and I'm looking at the cake in front of me I looked around and almost 99% of the people that I really cared about in my life at that moment were in the room yeah and I got to look around and it's not like it was a great day all the way through like Mm -hmm. I got yelled at for most of the day about cleaning and getting everything together because it was stressful having that many people over happens every time but Mm -hmm. I at the end of the day, it was incredible. Like I had my girlfriend at the time. I had my best friends. I had all of the, my family that I really that I really loved and cared for were in that room, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of a couple of people that weren't able to make it. Yep. And it just felt like in that moment everything made sense because I wasn't worried about the future. I wasn't yep. like I wasn't having regrets about the past. I was just enjoying the moment. Yeah. And so that that was my best day. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um. 14th birthday, got my Sony Discman and the Baja Men CD. No, that's not. That's not, that's not um, I was I was I was ready to try and spit it. That's, like, a, that's, that's a, great because that's like, a weirdly true story. Yeah. No, I wasn't 14. I think I was. I think I was 11. Oh uh, god, it was a little before. Sony Discman. Uh, oh. yeah. um, Did you have like the one that had the clip, like where it no, clipped your it belt? Clip. I had one of it those. It would have skipped, wouldn't it? I had. It had the. It had the. Uh, the shock absorber in there, so you put it on the the waist, and it was like. Uh, Best day. like it didn't clip. Sorry, it had a it had a carrying case okay. that would open, 
and then you slip Slide it into it this in. neoprene case, like a, like a, a, well, those cell phone holders. Yeah, hundred percent. But it didn't, it, it, it didn't, it didn't loop in to the, your belt. It was, it was a separate thing. It was like a fanny pack with Velcro, so you'd come oh, across okay. and like, oh, and it was, it was, it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. It, I gave it another life later because I, I used it as a Nerf bullet holder. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, just put all the bullets. Keep in. your ammo. Yeah. Um, Stay strapped. It's a tricky question. I mean, you think about like shows and things you did because there's always those highs, but there's also like the anxiety and everything leading up to it, which you know makes it a lot more. Right. I think some of the some of the best days that I can remember are are kind of an amalgamation of the same day over years. Um, like from my childhood, some of the best was like Christmas and New Year's Day at my grandparents' house because it was that was when. Uh, the whole side of the family was like fairly close too, so it was right. always like. Are you are you the family there. that hosts or like what's what's the holidays look around your house? Uh, Just for context, a, a lot a lot more stripped down, a lot more uh, minimalist than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, you know things happen, and you know people drift apart, and, and you know. Oh, okay. Family shit. Family goes rifts. Down. They always so happen. you know it's back to when it was all like everyone was there and everyone was happy and all the kids were there because all my cousins are like within a couple years of me and my sisters right. too. So uh, I think like those New Years, those New Years were always like a highlight for me when I was a kid. Right. And we we had those kind of like nights all the time, but I think in contrast to maybe how it is uh, like in later years, it's something that stands out. Right. As, yeah. Like remembering, um, yeah. like it's almost the golden years of, of that of that type of yeah. experience, right? And I'm I'm I am also always a little uh, wary of nostalgia uh, mm. because you always look at things through you those don't... kind of rose colored glasses. You don't always see the the dark spots too. So, right. I don't know. There's definitely much better days that I've had and happier days. This is just what I'm. No. The, uh, right well, the, the reason I don't ask this question ahead of time mm. is because like people. Um, if you if you sit with it like you come up with the good story it's like oh this is the the thing that like if i if i got to if i got to instagram this story yep. it, this is the curated version of what i want th- people to think about our my yeah. life but invariably um, i think there's only been one exception is that the 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 sto- the people's best days are always like it's always about that. It's always about family connection, people being with the people that they care about, mm-hmm. and it's it's doing simple things, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, one guy, it was like the, it was his birthday party, and they had pizza at his house, and they went to play laser tag, yeah. and that was his best day because it was with all his buddies, and like that's that that it, it sounded about simpler yeah. times, right? And it's another person. It was like going to a concert with the with the with his like it was it was a twenty four hour thing. They went to a concert and then went to the co- same concert again with his girlfriend the next day. And it was yeah. like he got to do the, the, the all of these things with people that he cared about. Mm-hmm. And the the I guess the lesson that I'm learning in by asking this question, which I, why I like asking it is. It seems like we we chase all of these other things, right? We ch- we chase wealth, we chase uh, power, we chase uh, yeah. like the accomplishments, the goals that we set for ourselves. But at the end of the day, the things that when you look back, it's like, what did I really enjoy? What do I what do I think about in the shower when I'm like, oh, that's my the best time of my life? It's like, it was doing simple shit. It was eating chicken wings with your buddies watching the Leafs game, right? It was yeah. it, it was like the, these like little things, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but the the weird part is, is that when you're doing these 
little things, mm-hmm. you're thinking about something else a lot of the yeah. time, right? Like you, when you're sitting with your buddies, like you're gonna look at your phone. It's like, oh, what am I gonna do later? Yeah. yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm actively trying to to work on that. Like trying to live more in the moment. More in the moment, and and mo- not just live in the moment, like truly experience and enjoy the moment, mm-hmm. right? Like you can live in the moment, but also have like something in the back of your head that's True. bothering you, right? Like, but I, I'm trying to like. Which is hard. It's like because I'm I I'm by nature a planner. Mm-hmm. I'm by nature like I like to think ahead and yeah. and because like you, you could probably relate to this with the comedian's brain, mm-hmm. you are thinking eight steps ahead because that's mm-hmm. your strength, yeah. right? That's the thing that that makes you good at the thing that you excel at. But also it also it's also your crutch and it's your your kryptonite because it's it's what's preventing you from actually enjoying the things that you're doing. Yeah. And so that's the 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 fight that I'm constantly going through. Yeah, finding that balance. Yeah, and what's uh, does that like makes like uh, I guess resonate with you that like, do you have that experience where you 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 can't you're always thinking ahead or is that that something that you've uh yes and no struggle with um I I've gotten pretty good the last few years of just kind of letting things I I don't plan a lot of times just because it's just like the way my life works now it's mm-hmm. just kind of like ah it'll happen if it happens. So, was there a certain experience that kind of crystallized that for you? Uh, I think there was a few years where everything was very planned out. And it was like, we have to do this, we have to do this, we have to do this. And uh, I just kind of got to a point where I'm like, ah, does, it doesn't matter. All it's doing is stressing me out, so I just kind of let it go. Mm. Um, I might have gone too far in the one direction, and now I need to find a happy medium between the two. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's a, a it's a yo-yo. Yeah. You vacillate between yeah, things, yeah. and you need to mm-hmm. find, That's all it is. It's a, yeah. it's a learning experience, mm-hmm. right? I, I was so far on the uh, on the planning side that I needed to like pull it back because like that was my strength that I, I went to university like I, I did my co-ops I was planning to get like I thought that when I graduated I, ho- I would have this job and then it didn't yeah. go my way and then like now I'm still trying a little reeling a little bit because I you know if you asked me four years ago I thought like everything would have been figured out by now but that's not the way life works, right? Like yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of the, uh, of the uncertainty of like I don't know what my life looks like two months from now. I don't know what it looks like two weeks from now, right? Yeah. And so that that uncertainty, I, I, I should, I lied. Uh, I'll be celebrating Christmas in a month, but uh, <laughs> I know what it looks yeah, like yeah, in a month. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's an active like uh, thing for me to be like, sort of forgive myself. For not having everything figured out, because yeah. for a lot of my life I was the 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 I guess the the good kid in my family, whereas like they, oh they didn't have to worry about me, like I had stuff figured out, and then now it's like my sister has stuff figured out, and I don't, yeah. <laughs> and it's fun when you get to flip uh, yeah, flip yeah. the uh, the the script on its head. Uh, I, I made a bit out of it, but it's like hey if you're uh, if you're the uh, the the the, uh, the good kid in your family, like you always do well. Uh, if you want to you know, feel true freedom, just tank your career. Just tank it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's it's great. It's so free. Like you, it, you, no expectations anymore. People don't think that you're gonna do anything. It's like, yeah. oh, it's so free. Yeah, people stop calling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, your friends stop liking you. Oh, that get out of those marriages that you don't want to be in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and your kids, you you, you only get to see, you only have to see them on weekends. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Oh man, but this has been really enjoyable. I yeah, appreciate you coming to do Thanks this. I mean, it's uh, what I really enjoy about this, and you, you probably share this, but podcasting is like mm-hmm. 
how often do you get to sit down with people in in a long period of time without yeah. interruptions? Yeah, it's that's rare. true. Fair. I really enjoy it. So, uh, and thank you for coming on, Thanks and for uh, me. I appreciate it. Great. See you tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see you then. <laughs>